providing real solutions for real industry challenges. Welcome to FNF Unplugged, the talk of the title industry. Welcome to FNF Unplugged. Today we're talking with Dr. Cynthia McGovern, who is really a fellow comrade with me, a fellow presenter with me. And quite frankly, Cindy, you're just one of my friends. I am so honored to be here, Linda. I love working with you and it's been a minute since we've gotten to share the stage or the mic. So this is really fun. (laughs) It is. And, you know, full disclosure, I mean, not to you, Cindy, but to the audience, we're going to get personal today. Absolutely. Yeah. In a lot of different ways, shapes and forms. For sure. This is a big topic. <laughs> so you and I have talked a lot over the years about, you know, personal development, professional development. You and I have gone at it with our boxing gloves about the differences between sales and marketing. And we're not going to have any of that today. No boxing match today, even though I may give you a couple pointed questions. <laughs> but the one theme that I know you enjoy a lot is empowerment. So kind of tell me what in your past or what has shaped you for this industry, why is empowerment so important to you? Because I think I didn't have permission to empower myself for a long time in my life. I didn't know any different. And so when I realized this, I was like, wait a minute, why didn't anybody teach me this? And so I've made it my mission to help empower others so that they can reach their goals, both personally and professionally. And so it's really, really important to me that people recognize the only permission you need to be empowered is your own. That makes a lot of sense. I think we seem to use that word empowerment, though, very often. And maybe, I don't know, maybe too much, especially since we've come out of this crisis, out of this pandemic. But how can we truly empower ourselves, whether it be for work, for our own lives? How can we truly empower ourselves? So a lot of it comes from confidence. And in so much of the work that I do in coaching leaders, managers, women in particular, we have like, well, I'm not ready yet. It's like, well, I haven't learned all the skills yet, or I haven't perfected this or perfected that. There's no perfect. I mean, we all know this, right? We're all works in progress. And so I think the first thing is getting at that edge of your comfort zone so that you know, okay, I'm ready. And then it's being empowered to take the step outside of that. And that's that moment. And it's sort of the fear kind of comes in your face. Imposter syndrome comes in your face. And so if we're truly empowering ourselves or we're empowering even those around us as a leader, it's looking at what's standing in their way of making the first step. And if you can identify what that is and address the fear, either within you or within the person you're helping, that's the only thing you have to overcome to make that first step. And I think that's why we don't empower is because we don't really know what's holding us back to begin with. Well, what if you're self-aware and part of you not being able to take that next step is because you want it perfect? (laughs) <laughs> you just named like 90% of the people I'm coaching and myself too. So that's part of our thing, right? Is yep. We're type A's. And so part of the challenge is we feel like, oh, but it's not perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Like I'm not ready yet. But a lot of it is having the courage to do it wrong 
and learn from that. And look, I'm self-aware enough to know the stuff I'm good at and the stuff I know I'm definitely not good at. Like the technology is the sharp knife drawer. I'm not allowed to touch it. So, but if I need to do something, I'm brave enough to go, I'm going to see if I can figure it out without breaking it. And then if I can't, I'm going to call in the cavalry and that's okay. But I'm at least empowering myself to figure out, could I figure it out on my own? I gave myself permission to try. I like how you said being self-aware. I think we're starting to realize that it's okay to be self-aware. It's okay for you to be your own worst critic out loud, not just when the camera's off or when the microphone's off, but saying it right up front. I mean, you just said you're you're just not the tech person. And I know my lane and my entire team will tell you that too. Like, so, you know, and, and we do, we joke about it here because I know my space and that self-awareness also though, I think feeds into who I am and recognizing I have vulnerabilities, so do others. And I think it actually makes me a better coach. It makes me somebody that can help other people because it's like, hey, I get it. I'm not good at this either. I'm not perfect over here. I'm not perfect over there. These are my superpowers that I bring to the world. Let's figure out how to bring your superpowers to the world, even though maybe you don't have the tech part of it to do it, but you got ideas. Let's elevate those. Let's talk about them and then find someone to help you with the tech piece. Well, we all want to be real. We all want to be with people that are real. Uh, which is another reason why I like working with you because, you know, you, you'll put me to the task that, <laughs> all right, I know you could do better or I know we could do better together if we went this direction. So I think you have to have that trust and that honesty too. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, I'm a little bit hardwired that way. And I think you are too, in that I'm always trying to get better. I'm always trying to challenge myself. And there's a little bit of permission in that, too, of saying, okay, you can. You're allowed to go further. You're allowed to push yourself. You're allowed to learn some new skill. You're allowed to do this. But I, I'm i very authentically me. I mean, anybody that's ever met me, it's, it doesn't get any better. Sorry. It's just, this is who I am and I show up as in the world. But I think that that's also where that self-awareness is, is who do you want to be known as? Who do you want to be in this world? And if you want to be known as that person that I'm open to that feedback, I'm open to being called the task. I'm open to being pushed. That's pretty powerful. And I think we all get better if we are open to that feedback. Yeah. That, that brings me to another topic because it sounds like you're talking a lot about yourself and the influence you have on others. So Let's kind of talk about that for lack of a better phrase, personal branding. Okay. Because I believe many of us do this unconsciously, but how can we strategically start planning our own brand? I mean, how, how do you even know where to start? I mean, you could have this self-awareness, you can have this honesty with yourself and with other people that you talk to in the business. Like, if I was trying to work something out, I would know my key four go-to people that will give me raw, honest feedback, like, no, that's not your lane, or yes, you could, but. And I think all of that shapes some of my own personal identity, but how do I turn that into a, a brand that I can use? So it's funny because personal branding has become such a buzzword and it's not new. Obviously, we all have them. But like you said, we've done it subconsciously or unconsciously. And I think that's the first thing I would say is every single person on this planet has a brand, whether they recognize it or not. Where I would say the self-awareness comes in is doing an inventory of 
Is it the brand you meant to be showing everyone? And is it getting you closer to reaching your goals? Is it helping you to get where you want to go? And so stopping and looking at that, that's the first thing. And then figuring out, okay, if it's not, then you start crafting it and creating it. I talk a lot about like you create it, you live it, and then you sell it. But truly, you you have to do that inventory first and really kind of get connected to your core values and what you want and who you want to be and the legacy you want to leave. That's how you show up in the world. But if you've done it sort of subconsciously or unconsciously for a really long time, how do you get feedback? And that's where you start looking at things. And I, I giggle when there's like the, the talent shows and they always show the blooper of the person that's like, oh, your mama told you you could sing and you really can't sing, you know? <laughs> so, and we giggle about that. But how sad is it that no one was ever kind enough to that person to tell them, I think you probably have other talents in the world and maybe singing isn't it, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> Welcome to motherhood. I don't know. Right. <laughs> right. But I think that's the that's where we have to kind of examine that personal brand is, do you want to be known as the singer who's actually a bad singer and is completely tone deaf? Are you willing to go to who I am, who I want to be, the mark I want to leave in the world and the legacy and the way that I can leave it in the most powerful way? Okay, so let's break that down a little bit because I always have a hard time trying to differentiate what I'm known for versus creating a personal brand, because I think creating a personal brand, like you said, it's a buzzword now, it almost sounds very self-centered, like it's all about me, where you as a salesperson or for me as a marketing person, I don't want it to be about me. So how do you kind of separate the things that you are, quote, known for versus what your personal brand should be saying? So they're a little bit intertwined. And so I want to talk about that for a second and then I'll kind of weave back in to answer your question. So the personal brand is you, you are the personal brand. But what I would say is there are facets to it. So every brand is multifaceted. You know, I'm I'm a dog lover, but then I'm a businesswoman and I'm also, you know, volunteer and all these other things, right? So there's facets to the brand. You're known for being the marketing guru because that's the facet of your brand that has been elevated to those individuals. Doesn't make you not a mom, not an amazing parent, not any of those things. You're still all of those. It's just what you've elevated to that world. So to them and to that audience, that is part of your personal brand. You're the person they're gonna call and ask the marketing question of. You're gonna be one of those four that you mentioned earlier that they're gonna be like, hey, Lindell have an answer. So that's the first part. And then the second part is, as you're looking at the buzzword of personal brand, I think that there's an intentional aspect behind it. And I think people kind of shy away from it, especially now, because it has become a buzzword. But we have to remember your personal brand is what makes you a person of interest. Otherwise, you blend in. And in a business setting, your people are your only non-price, non-product differentiator. (laughs) So you want them each to have a strong personal brand so that they can make a personal connection with others. It's it. I mean, we all have the story of the store that we go to because we like the, the person that works there or the restaurant we go to because we like the server. It's the person you're connected to, not the company, the restaurant, the store. And so I would say it's looking at how you want to have that impact on others is what drives the creation of the brand and the facet that you elevate. 
All right. So let me ask you another pointed question. <laughs> so are we really selling ourselves or are we marketing ourselves? Ah, I knew it was going to come up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> no boxing gloves today. But and, and for all the listeners, by the way, we don't duke it out. We actually just talk about the differences but in, in history. So it's a little bit of both. And I would actually say the marketing aspect is the packaging of that brand to a degree. The selling part is the story. And I think a lot of people mistake the two in personal branding when dealing with a personal brand because they think, but I do such a good job. Of course, everybody recognizes it. Or what we hear in this industry a lot, but my service speaks for itself. Well, we got, that's a whole nother podcast. So, <laughs> but I think we have to be careful about that because we assume they're buying what we're selling simply because it's there. It's like literally creating beautiful packaging and a product and putting it on a shelf, but never advertising it. You're not getting the story out there. You're not sharing the message. And I agree with you, but something you said a minute ago about it feels very selfish to create the personal brand. But I think the whole point of having a personal brand is to be able to help others. That's the way I look at personal branding. I look at it as I want to elevate the facets of my brand so I can make an impact on somebody else. So if you look at it from that angle, slightly different, hopefully less narcissistic, <laughs> but also um, they're intertwined to a degree, but marketing is not enough when it comes to you. Right, right. I 100% I agree. What do you say to the companies that equate social media, <laughs> personal branding to promoting themselves instead of their companies? Oh, so there is a huge difference between a company brand and a personal brand. And I think in the age that we live in now of social media and everything, they definitely get, it's muddy. The, the lines are muddy. And it's funny because I see this even with our, our clients where a title agent has a salesperson that's completely marketed themselves and everybody sees them. But then when that person leaves the company, nobody knows who the company is. So it gets a little bit dangerous. That personal brand outshines the company. They did a really good job of personal branding. They sold it really well. And the flip side is exactly true too. The company outshines the person. But I think something that we've learned in, in our industry and just in, in the last probably 10 or 15 years is the more empowered and powerful our people are, the stronger the company is. And so why wouldn't we try to elevate those multifaceted talents of our people and have them connect with numerous people? And I think that's been very evident in this industry as we look at you know, the average age of a realtor versus the average age of a realtor now and how we're bringing in AI and all these other things to reach other customers to create a personal connection with them. We've had these shifts and I think we're seeing little trickles of this all over. We just haven't necessarily started talking about it as branding. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I was brought up by parents that consistently told me that being in the service industry or, you know, being in the restaurant business, customers should want to come to you. Now, to them, it didn't matter whether it was me or my mother or my father or, you know, the other bartender or the other server or even the restaurant. But you need to create a need for that customer. So if it's by a person, great, get them in that way. If it's the company, Great, get them in that way, but you still have to keep them coming back. Yeah, yeah. 
So I've learned at a very young age, you know, the customer has to want to come to you because if you're selling too hard, they're not going to come to you. And so now that we have multi layers of this, like you said, AI, social media, you know, website, Google Analytics, all these things that can really capture ROI, the bottom line is customers either want to come to you or they don't want to come to you. And I would also say they either want to talk about you or they don't want to talk about you. So there's that second aspect of it is if I don't have a story to tell about why I did come to you, it's probably not going to give me a reason to come back. How do we get those stories? Is it something that we're going to develop on our own? Or do we kind of take little bits and pieces of all the little pieces we've accumulated along the way in our careers? I think this is where sort of the individual's brand comes into play because we all connect with something slightly different. So if you're the tech person and you become the tech person for your company and you're the guy or gal that they go to, that's your magic, right? If I'm the person that has the sales ideas, if you're the person that has the marketing ideas, like everybody kind of gravitates towards the need that they have and who can fulfill that need. But at the end of the day, it's that it's fulfilled in a way that leaves them with a story to tell about it. And we've all experienced it as consumers ourselves. Like going back to your restaurant example, we've gone to restaurants and maybe the food was meh, but the experience was phenomenal. I still have a story to tell about it. And people might even say, well, how was the food? I'll be like, oh, the food was good, but this was what really happened. <laughs> I get really excited. So they're now branded. I've branded that restaurant in my story as this amazing experience. And I think we have to ask ourselves, when people experience us as a person, are they leaving with a story to tell? And I think that's really important in the different industries that you and I are involved in. I think about real estate. There's, you know, 1.2 million realtors out there. What differentiates each one of them? They all can sell homes, but is one better at negotiating? Is is one better at picking that that right combination of what that buyer needs? And what about the title insurance industry? The final product is the same, but the road there can be very different. Same thing with lenders. There's so many different processes right now to apply for loans. And obviously we're going through the big digital transformation. So the process becomes much more important than the actual product. And that's the experience. And that's when your people's personal brand, to use that term, is more crucial than ever. Because anybody along the way, they have to remember they're selling themselves. So if I have a great experience with a person at touch point number one in the process, and that's great. And they've set me up for success. And then touch point number two is with somebody who's meh, then what? You know, how does that change the story I'm going to go tell? And then touch point number three is good again. But then I start thinking, well, the next time I go back, I don't want to deal with number two. I only want one or three. They didn't sell themselves. They didn't sell the facets of their brand. And I think that happens a lot in industries where it's a little bit same ish. And I know every file and every house and everything is different, but sort of the process is fairly similar. You know, you find a house, you find a buyer, the loan comes in, the application, you know, the process is same ish. It's finding those opportunities to elevate what you bring to the table in that. And that goes to kind of leaving your own legacy. And I think that's what keeps people coming back to you. That's why people will come to you for marketing advice, because you left a lasting impression where people can tell a story about it. And so I would encourage 
you know, leaders that are listening to the podcast today, how are you encouraging the individuality of your people to elevate their kind of style and grace a little bit through the process to be connecting with the customer? And if we're not, and we kind of like, you know, created little robot things and we just kind of hit all the, all the pieces, that's not giving the same impact. And we live in a peer review society now. You know, everybody's telling the Twitterverse in five seconds. <laughs> yeah, way too quickly sometimes. Sometimes yeah. reactions. You brought up core values and we'll talk about legacy in a little bit, but how can we expect individuals to become leaders who inspire others, they lead change and empower others if we cannot empower ourselves? It's a great question. And it's one of those things where you have to look at, some people will empower themselves whether you do or not. And everybody knows someone like that, right? Like even on a team that you have, it's like the person's like, they're not afraid to raise their hand. They're not afraid to say, I'll do it. Oh, I tried this. And you're like, are we allowed to try that? And they're like, I don't know. <laughs> so. We all have those people around us. But I think the question that I would ask the leader is what's holding you back, first of all? Like, why haven't you empowered yourself to do it? And is it probably fear-based or there's some kind of obstacle? So examine that because if you aren't taking that step, that's actually the lesson you're telling everybody else. Whether you tell them or not, well, you could say all the t- all day long, hey guys, I want your ideas. I want this. I want you to try new things. But if you don't, you're the pace car. They're watching you. And so your core value becomes sameness versus innovation. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if we think about that, specifically with core values, what sort of belief system do we need in order to really understand our own core values? Because we can empower ourselves all day but are they truly going to end up being the core values of what we're doing? Well, and I think that's something, you know, a lot of companies have core values, but if you ask the employees, they don't know what they are. So I would say they're not actually your core values then because a core value isn't something that's on a piece of paper or a poster in your kitchen. It's something everyone's doing. It's something they're living. It's something that comes through and basically is the oracle and touchstone of all the decisions that are made. Like one of our core values at my company is we take fun seriously. (laughs) And that is absolutely a core value. Like if it's not fun, why are we doing this? You know, so we try to infuse that. And if you saw any of our chats and, you know, communication back and forth as a team, it's very evident. Like we take it seriously to have fun at work. So if you look at your own core values as a leader, let's start there. Have you infused them? Have you shared them? Does everybody know them? And recognizing everybody else has a different belief system than you. Maybe those core values align for a company. And that's also why a lot of companies are hiring people with similar values because it's aligned, you're aligned behind the mission. But if there's a disconnect, how do you bring them in? How do you invite them in? Or how do you open yourself to where their core values are so that we learn? And maybe we're expanding our value system. Maybe we're looking at it and saying, gosh, this is something that also could and should be important to us. Wow, let's let's discuss that. Let's maybe you want to take fun seriously in your organization now, you know, and folks that are listening, maybe that's that's where you want to go. But those kind of drive and govern the day. And I think that if you don't know your own personal core values, it's really hard to find an organization that you will align. All right. So then 
what are we really trying to accomplish with this personal branding? Is it to create awareness in others as to what we can offer? Or is it our own awareness or something completely different? So it depends on your goal. And you know me, I'm like a hyper planner, right? So I think it, it all starts with kind of the plan of where you want to go. If you're a business owner, what is the legacy you want to leave? How do you want people to talk about you when you're not in the room? If you're a salesperson, if you're a marketer, if you're an IT support, if you're an underwriter, if you're an attorney, if you're a processor, if you're a closer, what do you want people to say? And I think it starts there is kind of what's the end game. Where do you want that story to be? And that is about you to a degree, but I don't come at it from that angle. I come at it from, I want to make enough of an impact on another human being that they're excited to talk about the impact, which maybe I was the catalyst for. I don't care if they even mention my name necessarily. I just want to make sure they have whatever it is from that interaction with me, they feel empowered to go and do the next thing. And with a personal brand, it's funny because I had a very specific lesson on personal branding early when I was still almost graduated with my PhD. And I went, I have to sell this differently because I thought all the things on paper made sense. I, you know, I had gone through all the courses, I had defended the dissertation, I was doing all these things, but then everybody has their own value system. Everybody has their own view of us. Are we elevating the facet of our brand we mean to? So for a leader, if you're doing all the things, you're doing your employee reviews, you're having your company meetings, you're doing, you know, checking all the boxes, but is that the legacy you want to leave or is the legacy you want to leave that you are a mentor? You are that person that truly empowered. You are the person that changed people's lives because you listened to what they needed and you helped them. Those are all your personal brand, but it's not a narcissistic angle. It's to help another. Well, how do you get over that word legacy, though? Because when I hear the word legacy, I, you know, I see an equal sign that says old, like <laughs> been doing this for a really long time. And, you know, I want to leave this kind of legacy. But can't you think about your legacy when you're in your 20s and 30s and 40s, too? I would reckon that everybody listening literally has left a legacy that it, you know, you left a legacy at your high school. You did something there, good, bad, ugly. Maybe you caught the touchdown pass. Maybe you were the head cheerleader. I don't know what it was, but there's a legacy. So your legacy is already being written, but who has the pen is what I really want to empower people with is you have the pen to write it. Don't let other people script it for you. Okay. So these are building blocks then. So I'm building my legacy upon the fact that my very first, I would say, win was that customers came in to see me. Yes. And so, and that was at the age of 13. So then in high school, another block goes on there. College, another block. Maybe my first job, another one. So you're building legacy throughout your whole life? Absolutely. And you've got one that you've left behind. If anyone has ever gone to their high school reunion, <laughs> you have a legacy. May not be what you wanted, I don't know, but you have one. You left, you know, it's kind of like a boat. You left a weight. Yeah, but you always go back to those wanting to prove something. Right. <laughs> I mean, is that, but is that a negative thing? I mean, I would say no. I would say no, but I would say that in and of itself right there is a personal brand. 
because you're trying to go back and sell an aspect of your personal brand that maybe they didn't buy into back then. Interesting. So maybe you're only halfway to this complete person and now you want to show off this complete person. Absolutely. And I think people do this all the time on, on social media. Like social media is everybody's highlight reel, right? <laughs> so yeah. If you had a sports highlight reel, that would be it. But that's your opportunity. But again, the legacy has already begun. You've already been, and, and you know, we can pick a new word or whatever, but it's, it is what it is. It's the story that people are going to say about us. So it, if there was an exercise that you could give our audience to kind of do, to, to kind of put our discussion on paper, to, to really start their personal branding, because being that I am the visual person, I have to see things in one page slicks. What would be a great exercise for someone to do to even get their brain wrapped around personal branding and the marketing of themselves and the self-awareness and self-promotion? So one of the first things that I would have you do is kind of take an inventory of the words you want people to say within the phrases of an always and a never. Linda always knows what to do with marketing. Linda never shows up with you know, pajamas on a Zoom call. <laughs> like, <laughs> always, and these are just things that I know, right? <laughs> like, so, so when you think about the always, never, it's a really good inventory, but I would list as many words as you can, 10, 20, 30 words that you want to use within those phrases. And then see how true it is. Well, there's opinion, right? Absolutely, you gotta get- or Maybe that's not a good idea. <laughs> no, you know what? But here's the thing. It's the tone deaf part of the singer that's a tr- you know trying out for the talent show. If you never got that feedback, you don't know and you're going through life thinking you're selling one thing. We all have that person in our lives that has the resting witch face, but they don't know it. You've tried to tell them and they're like, I'm having a great time. I'm like, well, then tell your face because you look really mad. <laughs> and so- <laughs> They don't have the awareness that that's what they're selling. Right. That's a great start. Yeah. And if we create the the list of the words, and I want to be known as somebody that always is helpful. Like that's one of my words is helpful. So if I want to be known as that, and I'm looking and people aren't coming to me asking for my help, that's a really big sign. (laughs) It's pretty evident that I am not known as helpful, right? So looking at that and taking that inventory and then... The parts that are left that you didn't get the positive feedback on that you want, that's when you start changing. You start figuring out how do I elevate that facet of my brand? If I'm not being the helpful one, what can I do? How do I raise my hand and offer and invite and let people know, hey, I want to help you with this. I want to be there for you. And I don't think there's anything narcissistic about that. No, you're getting feedback. And you're developing a list of the things that you need to work on. Like someone saying that they're patient, but that's the last thing <laughs> that you feel when you're in a conference room with them. Yep. Yep. And I, and I see this a lot with leaders of organizations too, is when we do like assessments of them or whatever, and we'll hear and they say, oh, well, you know, I'm, my door is always open. I would ask you how often your door is open. <laughs> if that is one of your always nevers in your exercise, Ask the team for feedback. Ask the people around you for feedback on that because that's one of the main ones that we see is they're not available. And it's like, but my door was open, but you're on the phone. You're, you know, putting your one finger up, hold on, I'm busy. So if you want to be known as part of your brand as always available to your people, 
that might be the area to work on. Well, and your close coworkers or your employees or your peers, you have to give them the space to be honest because they're going to help you get better self-aware. You know, vulnerabilities come into vogue in the last few years in business, right? And, and I think there's some magic to that because if you're willing to show that you're open to feedback, that allows an empowerment of your team to also be open to that feedback, to show them they're not supposed to be perfect, to show them that there's always growth for all of us. And I think that's really amazing. If you can show that piece, then everybody else knows it's okay. It's okay to not have it all figured out right this second on my second day on the job. (laughs) Well, Dr. Cindy, thank you so much for being here with us today. I think you gave us four really good points. Empowerment, personal branding, core values, create your legacy. I so look forward to having another conversation with you very soon. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. It's always so much fun to work with you. And I am so excited to have spent this time with you. It's been too long. Thank you. If you have questions, comments, or would like us to feature a specific topic, email fnfeducation at fnf.com. Thanks for downloading FNF Unplugged, a presentation of the FNF family of companies. All rights reserved. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent, including Fidelity National Financial or its directors. Please seek legal or financial advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.